Do you ever wonder why? Why, if there is an all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God who's in charge of the world, who is sovereign and king over everything that happens, why is there evil? Why do horrible, horrible things happen? Natural things and things that are man-made. Why are there murderers and thieves and rapists? Why are there tyrants? Why is there genocide? Why is there racism? Why is there violence? Why is there all of these things in the world if there is an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God? I'll tell you, I think that that's probably one of the leading causes for skepticism in our country right now, don't you think? If you ever talk to somebody who is skeptical about whether or not there really is a God, that's probably one of the reasons why they feel that way. They ask, if there is an all-knowing God, doesn't he know what's going on? If he doesn't know what's going on, then he isn't an all-knowing God. Or if he knows about it and he just doesn't care and it doesn't bother him, all the horrible things that happen, then he isn't an all-loving God. Or if he knows and he cares but he just can't do anything to stop it, then he isn't an all-powerful God. And so as the skeptic goes, they think through these things and they say, then my conclusion is that there must not be an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God who's in charge of the world. What do we say to that? You know, if I had been uh, a Jewish person living before the time of Jesus or even during the time of Jesus, and I read what the prophet said was going to happen when the Messiah came, I would think that when the Messiah came, that meant the eradication of all of this bad stuff. That when the Messiah comes, he's going to deal with all of it. He's going to deal with the tyrants. He's going to deal with the evil empires. He's going to deal with all of this sin, all of this evil, all of this wickedness. And there will be peace. People will be able to take their swords and beat them into farming tools. Because everything will be right and good. The righteous will be rewarded and the evil and the wicked will be punished and eradicated. We can't wait till the Messiah shows up. And you can see why they would think that. As you read through books like Daniel, you see that that God tells Daniel that the beasts, the empires, the kings, that, that their reign of terror will come to an end and that they'll die and be destroyed. And that the Son of Man, that is the Messiah, is going to come. Look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. See, that's why Jesus calls himself that. When Jesus says, the son of man, he's talking about this. He's saying, this is the fulfillment of what Daniel saw in those visions. I am the one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, that's to God the Father, and was presented before him. And to him was given, to the son of man was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom 
that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So what would you think, right? You're waiting for the Son of Man to show up and to be given this kingdom and this dominion and this power that will never come to an end. And all people, not just the Jews, but all people will serve Him and obey Him and come under His reign and His rule. You think exactly that, right? That when the Son of Man shows up, He's going to eradicate all the evil immediately. And then overnight, it's all going to be gone and there will be nothing left but peace and love and joy and happiness for eternity, right? And then as Christians, that's actually what we're proclaiming, isn't it? We're saying, good news! This Son of Man showed up! Good news! His kingdom came! Good news! The the heavenly kingdom, the kingdom from and of belonging to heaven has come and and Jesus has set up his rule and his reign and now there is peace and love and joy and happiness in the world. I I wouldn't blame the skeptic for looking at us kind of strange and raising one eyebrow and said, what are you even talking about? Well, what's changed? In the last 2,000 years, what's changed? There's still murderers and rapists and thieves and tyrants and genocide, and racism, and there's all of these horrible things in the world. What's changed? How can you say that the King of Heaven has come and set up His kingdom, and there's still evil in the world? How can that be the case? How can it be the Messiah has come? How can good news be proclaimed if there's still evil in the world? I think that's a good question, don't you? And I think that's exactly what Jesus' parables dealt with. And that's what his parables are all about. He says, listen, there's some secrets to the kingdom. Some some secrets to what the Son of Man is up to and what he's going to do and what it's going to look like. And not everybody can receive these secrets. Some people are so hard of hearing. They're so dull of heart that they're not willing to listen. They plug their ears and they close their eyes and their hearts don't understand. They're not willing to understand the secrets of the kingdom. But if you're willing to listen, and you're willing to see, then Jesus shows to His disciples what the kingdom of God is really going to look like, what it does look like. And if we want to understand, how can we say peace and joy and happiness and love is ours because the King has come and heaven's kingdom has come? And we recognize and are perfectly aware that there is evil in the world at the same time. How can we have peace and joy while evil still exists? And so we read Matthew chapter 13. Let's look at the parable again. Matthew 13, verse 24. Now again, these parables worked a whole lot like riddles, didn't they? And you just listen to it. In fact, somebody this week told me a kind of a modern day parable that they just made up. And he got to the end of it and I thought... Okay, that's a whole lot like Jesus' parables because I, I ain't got no idea what you're talking about. I have no clue what that's supposed to mean. And thankfully, he went on to explain what his little parable meant. And that's what Jesus has to do with us, isn't it? He has to kind of take us aside, take his disciples aside and explain this is what the parable is all about. But listen to the parable. Verse 24. Jesus put another parable before them, before the crowds, saying, The kingdom of heaven 
And again, kingdom of heaven doesn't mean the place you go when you die. It means the kingdom, the reign, and the rule that is from and of and belonging to heaven. Heaven's kingdom can be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now, I think it might be helpful for us to have a right picture in our mind, even before we get to the explanation. Can you picture a man, uh, a sower, a farmer, who's out there with a bag around his shoulder and he's, he's spreading seed? But in his field, picture his field in your mind. And don't just picture a small field, not, not even like a 40-acre field. Picture a field. Have you ever stood on the beach and looked out at the ocean? And the ocean just seems to go and go and go without end. Imagine standing on the edge of a field like that. And you look out at this field, and the field seems to be as big as the whole world. And it just stretches out as far as the eye can see. You can see the sower, and he's miles away. You can just see him. He's just a speck. And, but he's out there, and he's sowing the seed. Out there in this huge, gigantic field that you can't see the, the ends of, that you can't see the width of. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came. Now picture nighttime, that's when people sleep, right? Night falls, and the sower is done sowing, and this, this man in dark hood and, you know, creepy and, and enemy-like creeps into the field, and he sows weeds among the wheat, and then he goes away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, didn't you sow good seed in the field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So, so the, the servants recognize the difference between the wheat and the tares. They recognize that there's not just wheat in this field, that there's weeds here too. How did this get here? Master, did you do this? Did, did you plant this too? Why would you plant good seed and bad seed? Why would you plant wheat and weeds? Why would you do such a thing? Don't you see what's, what's happened here? He says, I didn't do this. An enemy did this. Somebody else snuck in here and planted these weeds. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them, pull out the weeds? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. In other words, if you go and you pull the weeds, you're going to ruin the harvest, aren't you? Because some of the, the roots are intertwined. And if you pull up the weeds, the wheat's going to be harmed. And so the harvest isn't going to be as full as it should be if you go in there and you start pulling up the weeds. And so he says, don't. Let them alone. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Again, thankfully, we don't have to be experts in agriculture to understand the parable. We don't have to be mind readers. We don't have to be good at guessing games because Jesus goes on to tell us exactly what he means by this parable and how it's going to help you and me to understand life in heaven's kingdom, life under the reign and the rule of heaven's king, Jesus. Okay, so look at verse 36, and Jesus is going to explain to his disciples what this parable is about. Matthew 13, 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Again, drawing our minds back to Daniel, right? The king, the anointed one, the Messiah. The good seed is the, or the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. So again, picture in your mind that 
sower, that farmer out there in the field, in a field so big it literally is, in the parable, the world. If you kind of zoom back from the field itself, you've got the entire world and it's a field. And the sower is there in the midst of that field sowing his seed. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Okay, so let's kind of go through that, just so that we have in our mind, because in a parable, you need to understand the parallels, right? You need to understand what equals what, and there's no use guessing at it, especially if Jesus tells us what equals what. So let's kind of go through real quick. The sower is Jesus, the Son of Man. I think maybe there's a slide. There we go. The sower is the Son of Man, Jesus. The field is the world. The field's not the church. The field's not the kingdom. The field is the whole world, right? The sower is Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Now, usually in a parable, there aren't that many parallels. But in this one, there's at least seven things that Jesus says. This equals this, and this equals this. And we need to understand what everything equals so that we can kind of get a grasp on what he's saying. Verse 40. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they'll gather out of the kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, I want us to pay attention to something. Do you see how the skeptical question is, does God know that there's evil in the world? And what does this parable say? Yes. Jesus has come. He has planted the seeds of his kingdom. His kingdom has been established and it's growing and it's, it's working its way towards the harvest time. The wheat is getting taller and fuller and, and, and there's also weeds. And the son of man is fully aware. He's not oblivious to the fact that there are weeds in the world. He's not oblivious to the fact that there is wickedness in the world. He's not oblivious to the fact that there are evil doers in the world. So the question of the skeptic that says, if there's an all-knowing God, does he know that there's evil? The answer is yes. He knows. Uh, then the question is, does he care? And of course the answer is, of course he cares. Yes, he cares. Then the question is, then can he do something about it? And the answer is not only can he do something about it, he will do something about it, right? The the Son of Man, the King of the world, the one that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, he reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is, for lack of a better term, the emperor of the world, isn't he? He knows everything. And he cares about each and every person. Jesus says, listen, this is how much God loves you and cares about you. You know, a sparrow, if it dies and it falls to the ground, God knows about that and he cares. But you, 
You can't even imagine how much more valuable you are than a sparrow. He knows every hair that's on your head. He knows when His sons and daughters of the kingdom suffer. He knows that there are weeds in the world. And He cares. He cares more than you could possibly imagine. He cares so much that He came. That He became the sower of the seed. That He came and... Sowing the seeds of this kingdom cost him everything. I understand that from our limited perspective, I understand that when you're hurting and when evil is done and you think, does he know? Does he even care? The answer is, of course he knows. And of course he cares. And you say, well, then why doesn't he do something? Why doesn't he end all this? Why doesn't he punish evil? He will. He will. But it's actually a good thing that he hasn't yet. I mean, imagine. Imagine if right after when Jesus came, if Jesus died and he was buried and he rose, and then as soon as his resurrection was done, he gathered up the harvest. And he said, that's it. Now it's time for the harvest. Now I'm going to take those who belong to me and I'm going to gather them into my barns and those who are wicked and don't believe that I'm the Son of God, I'm going to gather them up and they're going to be cast into the fire. Well then, the harvest would have been pretty small, wouldn't it? It would have been hundreds, wouldn't it? It would have been hundreds of people that believed that Jesus was who He said He was and that would have been gathered into His barns to be part of the eternal kingdom. And there would have been millions of weeds that would have been gathered up and would have been burned. But but because the Son of Man has allowed the harvest to continue to grow, generation after generation, year after year, decade after decade, for 2,000 years He's allowed the harvest to grow. And aren't we thankful? Because we wouldn't even be here if the judgment had already happened. But because He's delayed in His coming... We had the opportunity to be born into the field, into the world. We had the opportunity to hear the word of the kingdom and to become sons and daughters of the kingdom. And now we get to be a part of the wheat. And so we, we mourn and we lament and we weep that there are weeds in the world, that there's wickedness in the world. And church, we better learn how to weep and mourn and lament over those things, shouldn't we? Let's not pretend like everything is hunky-dory. Do we say hunky-dory? My parents said hunky-dory. I don't even know if we know what that means. But Let's not pretend like everything is all right. Because there are weeds. There's horrible, horrible things in the world. Face it, there's horrible, horrible people in the world. There's people that are hard-hearted and that, that prey on other people. And it breaks our heart. It should break our heart. It breaks God's heart. So although we announce to the world, good news, the king has come. We recognize that the evil one has planted wicked seed in the world. But we also recognize that a time is coming where those that belong to the kingdom of God, those who live as citizens of heaven's kingdom will be gathered up into our Father's barn. And when we will shine like the sun in our Father's kingdom, the wicked will be gathered up in bundles and will be burned. And although that's heartbreaking, that's the reality, isn't it? And like Richard said a moment ago, 
This parable doesn't really touch on what we ought to be doing. It just touches on the reality of what will happen. We ought to be snatching people out of the fire, shouldn't we? We ought to be recognizing that we can convert people and help them to become, as we are, sons and daughters of the kingdom of heaven. But the answer, does God know, is yes. The answer, does God care, is yes. The answer, can God do something about it, is yes. And the answer of why hasn't He done something about it is because He wants His harvest to be as full as possible. He wants as many people as possible to be born into the world and to come to know the word of the kingdom and to be a part on that harvest day to be a part of the good wheat that's gathered into the Father's barn. Let's look at another parable. This is, comes just after this, and it, it touches on some of the same things, so I think it's good to put it together. Matthew chapter 13, verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did you catch that part? Verse 48, when it was full. You see, the Son of Man has two comings. And that was kind of a secret that was revealed in Jesus' ministry, wasn't it? And in His first coming, it wasn't time for the harvest, it was the time for the planting. It wasn't the time for the taking up of the net, it was the time for the casting out of the net. And when He comes again, it will be the time for the harvest. When He comes again, it will be time for the drawing in of the net. But right now, there is a net, proverbially speaking, that has been drug through the waters, a huge, gigantic net that's being drugged through the water of the world. And it's gathering up every single person. Every single person who has ever lived is being caught up in this net. And at the end of time, there will be a separation. Right now we're all swimming together, and some are just oblivious to the fact that there is this huge net that's gathering up everybody. Some are oblivious to the fact that we're growing closer and closer and closer and closer to the harvest. In fact, today, this day, July, what is it? July 16th, 2017, is the closest day to the harvest that has ever been. We are closer now to the harvest than we were yesterday or when you were born. The harvest is growing closer and closer and closer. And there's two kinds of people in the world. Jesus doesn't have a middle ground. There's not some other category. It is either a person is weeds or they are weeds. Either they are the product of what he did when he came the first time in planting the seeds of the kingdom and they have grown from that good seed or they are sons and daughters of the evil one. Now we know the truth that you and I deserve to be a part of the weeds that are cast into the fire. But by the grace of God, we heard 
the word of the kingdom and not by our own goodness or how smart we were or how good we were or how moral we were or how overly religious we were, but we responded to that good news message and we said, I want to be a part of Jesus' kingdom. I recognize him for who he is and I want to shine like the sun in my father's kingdom forever. I want to be gathered up into his barns. But there is a whole world of people There is a whole bunch of wickedness. There is a whole bunch of evil. And all of it is culminating to a day of separation. And there is weeds and there is wheat. So we have to decide, one, which one we're going to be. And it's not just about saying a prayer or making a decision. It's about living a life. Living a life in obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is about making a decision to say... I will follow Him. But living out that faith, living out that trust, living out that obedience to our King, shining like light in the world, living as if everything was good because we believe that it's starting to be good and it will always be good. Yes, we have to put up with some evil and some pain and some suffering in the world right now, but we have eternity where righteousness will dwell. We have eternity where there will be no pain, where there will be no suffering, where there will be no evil, where there will be no wickedness, where there will be no rape, where there will be no murder, where there will be no genocide, where there will be no racism, where there will be none of that in our Father's kingdom. And that's already begun. And we're culminating to a day when the net will be dragged in and the fish will be separated. We're culminating towards a day where their harvesters will come and the wheat will be gathered into the barns and the weeds will be burned up where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't like to talk about hell. How about you? That's about the last thing in the world I want to talk about is hell. But I am so thankful that I've been saved from that fate that I deserve. The whole world is progressing towards that day where the wheat and the weeds will be separated. So here's our takeaway from the day, for the day. The seed has been planted and the harvest is coming. That's what it meant for Jesus to come. For Jesus to come, He went out into the field that is the world and He planted the seed. And many seeds, sons and daughters of the kingdom grew. You and you and you and you and you, you're evidence of that, aren't you? You're evidence that Jesus came and changed things. For us, we ought to be a people of peace. A people who have taken our swords and pounded them into farming tools. A people who love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. A people who live as if the Son of Man actually did come because He did and actually did set up His rule and His reign because He did. And people who live with hope and joy and love and happiness in spite of the fact that there's still evil in the world because we know that the harvest is coming. The Son of Man didn't come to drag in the net the first time. He came to cast out the net. He didn't come to take up the harvest. He came to plant the seeds. And he's waiting until the harvest is full. And praise God and thank God that he's waiting because his patience meant our salvation. And the longer he delays, the more people that will be part of the good harvest, right? 
The more he waits, the more he delays, the more we can spread the seed. We can continue to produce fruit and multiply. But do not forget for a second what's coming. Don't get lazy. Don't get sleepy. Don't fall down on the job. Don't forget that there is a day of harvest coming. Don't forget that that net is being drunk through the water and there is a day of separation coming. I mean, you ever watch those movies about Armageddon or days where people live in a post-apocalyptic world and, you know, all these things, bad things have happened and the world's been destroyed. And I mean, if you knew today that tomorrow or next week or next year, something like that was going to happen where there was going to be some catastrophe or some worldwide disaster, wouldn't you do your best to prepare for it and to warn others about it? The harvest is coming, church. And there's not going to be some post-apocalyptic world that's going to be painful like they imagine in the movies. The only way to survive the harvest that's coming is to be a son or a daughter of King Jesus. That's the only way. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's two things that are growing in the world. There are those that belong to the King and those that don't. And if you don't belong to the King, I beg you to receive the implanted Word which is able to save your soul. If you won't just be a hearer of the Word, but be a doer of the Word. If you will live in obedience to the good news that the King has come, that He has given His life to pardon your sins, won't you receive the Word of the Kingdom? And let's warn the world that the net is being drawn in and that the harvest is coming. It means good news for those that are sons and daughters of the King. But it means destruction for those who refuse to listen. So let's stay awake. Let's stay sober-minded. Let's stay alert. And let's realize the seed's been planted. Good news has come. And the harvest is coming. Maybe there's somebody here this morning. I don't, I don't like to preach sermons where I scare people. But it is kind of scary, isn't it? To realize that if you're not a part of the kingdom of God, that this... Harvest doesn't mean anything good for you. It means pain for you. And each and every person here deserves to be part of those that are thrown into the fire where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Every one of us deserve that. But if you receive the word of the kingdom and allow Jesus to pardon your sins, and become a part of his rule and his reign, then you will be a part of the wheat that's gathered into his barns, the part of the people that shine like the sun in the Father's kingdom for eternity. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, if you haven't been buried with Jesus in baptism and raised up to walk in a new life, what are you waiting for? Make that choice today. Maybe some of us have wandered away. We forgot who we're supposed to be. We forgot what's coming. We need to come home. We need to... Pray for each other and encourage each other. There's a room in the back. The elders would love to pray with you or encourage you, walk with you, mentor you, encourage you, or you can come forward because we're all in this together. We just want to be wheat in a world that's full of weeds. We just want to be prepared for the coming judgment. If we can help you in any way, come forward as we stand and sing.